the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members and for your whole body to go into hell. It's also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no, anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. So I ascend the stairs of the pulpit today to tell you authoritatively that if you think you know what Jesus means in this Gospel, you are probably wrong. Our readings this day open with a wisdom retelling from a tradition that goes back a few centuries before Jesus. In the words of Sirach, who is doing what all wise Jewish teachers do, including Jesus himself, and that is going back and mining the Torah, the central teaching of Judaism. We've inherited that in our scriptures as the first 
five books of the Bible. And what Sirach is doing today, he's articulating the alternative reading for this day, which comes from Deuteronomy, which is Moses speaking to God's people at the threshold of the promised land and reminding them of what they have received, the commandments of God, what became known as the law. Moses puts it to them in very stark terms. Today, I put before you life and death. Choose, he says, choose this day, life. Sirach, typical of a wisdom teacher, takes that and adjusts it a little bit and talks about fire and water and choose to put your hand to one or the other. In that stark teaching, Sirach channeling Moses digs deep and asks the people to wake up and realize what they are doing. For Judaism, both contemporary and ancient, The sense of the law is not simply a bunch of legal arguments and agreements. It is much more than that. It is the source of life itself, a distinct identity for God's people. And in that, you start to hear rightly. Unfortunately, we in the Christian tradition get it wrong almost all the time, which is probably healthy for us, and I'll tell you why in a minute. On the one hand, we have the ancient Protestant tradition. We can say that now. It's been a few centuries. The notion that if we just get our behavior right, we'll be okay with God comes to us through the Puritans and also through a form of fundamentalism But if you take up the words of my Western Civ professor many years ago at Bradley University, he pointed out, you'd be hard-pressed to find a fundamentalist walking around missing an eye or a limb, right? There's something else going on, more than just the reading of the text here. On the other hand, in the Catholic wing of our tradition, we have a whole sea of canon law, more rules and regulations, as though if we got that perfect, we would be able to abide by the teachings we have received. The demographers tell us how well that has worked. The two youngest generations in our society right now are asked, why don't you go to church? And many of them say, I'm tired of the hypocrisy, right? Most of us would sympathize with that statement. So what is Jesus teaching us today? One of the clues we might gather comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. To give you a little bit of context, in the Greco-Roman world, by and large, life was 
primarily organized in ways that we would regard in our day and age as conservative. The family was everything. The paterfamilias was at the center of the household, and everything was organized around him, both to preserve his honor and also to perpetuate the family name and lineage. One of the exceptions to this rule was Corinth itself. Corinth was, you might say, the red light district of the Roman Empire. In Corinth, you could get just about anything you desired for the right price. And into this context, Paul plants a little Christian community, probably against his better judgment, because their context is rife with temptations. Before long, they fall into just about all of them. Some of them I can't even talk about on a Sunday morning in this public context, but you can probably imagine. One of the keys today, of course, that Paul is writing about is that the Corinthians are doing what all human communities are tempted to do, and that is to begin to fall into factions. In the ancient world, one way of developing factions was to figure out if your teacher was better than somebody else's teacher. If your teacher was the best, you had the right teaching, and you had a leg up on everyone else in the community. And at least according to Paul's letter, that had happened. His name was being raised, and so was the name of Apollos one of those who was spreading the gospel at the same time he was. His letter basically says in a sophisticated Greek rhetorical way, when are you guys going to grow up? Right? When are you going to get off the spiritual milk, as he calls it, and start eating the solid food of the gospel? Maybe that's one of the clues we need to begin to mine Jesus' teaching with the deeper eyes and the wise eyes that he invites us to acquire. A big piece of today's gospel is about growing up. Most of us, as part of our development, learned rules so that we could stay out of trouble. Most of us learn that by saying, you're going to get in trouble with your parents, or with your teacher, or with your friends sometimes, if you get out of line. That threat is as old as the hills. But if you remember from growing up yourself, you know that only gets you so far, right? We've interpreted Jesus' teachings today with that idea in mind, and it comes to us in the tradition this way. If you don't follow the rules now, there will literally be hell to pay in eternity, right? Most scholars tell us that's not what Jesus means. The word he uses for hell in this passage is an interesting one 
it has at least two meanings, according to the scholars. One of them is that it points to the garbage heap outside Jerusalem, the place where you throw things that are worthless. What could Jesus mean in that? Well, in the context of his larger teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying you would no longer be good for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or what we have come to know, the beloved community. Another way that's even more bracing than that is some scholars say that there are indications in the text that this is an echo of a part of the ancient world that was known in the deep tradition going all the way back to the prophets, where human and, in fact, child sacrifice was practiced. That is to say, Jesus is saying, if you're going to be fit for the kingdom of heaven, you have to set aside the old ways of systemic violence that were used for generations and are still used in many parts of the world to justify violence, to maintain a peaceful society. It's not good enough anymore, Jesus is saying to his first followers. Jesus is also talking to a context where people were being told that in order to be right by God, they simply had to follow the rules. And Jesus is saying, no, it's much more than that. You have to get underneath of what the rules are are about, if you are to have any hope at all in growing up, in growing, as Jesus says, into God's kingdom. That is our call as people of faith. And it's much more, of course, than simply following the rules. I don't have to tell any of you how hard marriage is. And I don't have to tell any of you how hard divorce is. All of us either know someone or have lived through that ourselves. And the church over the last century has had big arguments over divorce and whether it belongs in the tradition or not. All I can tell you today is that we may have changed our minds on some things But for anyone who's married, we know it hasn't made marriage any easier. Jesus knows that life is difficult, following the commandments of God more so. Because God's dream for us is often much greater than our dream for ourselves. And the world pulls us in many, many different directions. Jesus wants us to do is to hear the teachings anew through the lens that he offers elsewhere in his Sermon on the Mount. Through the lens above all else today, the lens of humility. Through the lens of compassion. Through the lens of mercy. Through the lens 
of forgiveness. It's only when we start there that the commandments of God become manageable enough to take on. It is only when we abide with God that God's life becomes real. Maybe one of the takeaways from this teaching is this. God wants us to be more than merely good rule followers. God wants us to grow up, as C.S. Lewis once said, into the fullness of grace. That means taking on God's dream and God's project. Project worth not just what we do, who we are, how we offer our hearts in love, as Jesus did. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and a journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.